This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I've got John Martin and Justin Rourke on. They own Ascension Realty Group, Tower Property Management. They're longtime Austinites, and they've been investing in real estate here in Austin for a long time. They even have a cool new podcast coming out that they're going to tell us all about here towards the end. Hey, John, how you doing? What's going on, Jordan? I'm doing doing great, man. How are you? Good. Great to see you. Great to have you on here. I know uh, about a year and a half ago or so I had Justin on, but I really want to hear your part of the story too and just hear more about what y'all are up to and where you're going. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. We, we try to, it's hard to get us both together in the same room because we're both loud and obnoxious. So it's, sometimes it's better to have one or the other. Um, he's going to be joining us soon. So hopefully we don't, don't fall in the suit too much on that end. But um, yeah, so we grew up here. Born and raised in Austin, been in real estate since 2011. Um, really watched the city kind of kind of boom. It's been a, a really fun ride, and, and seeing it since I was a kid till now, and having the perspective of growing up and watching the areas that were you know small and not much to them turn into these hustling and bustling types parts of the city and little pods that are these meccas, these heartbeats, if you will, that just grow outward from them. It's been been a lot of fun to to watch and take advantage of of making you know choices and decisions in the real estate market to help me gain some financial stability and clients as well. I mean, we with the management company, it, it allows us to kind of be the de facto, you know, investor specialist, if you will, because we we rent out anywhere from 40 to 60 properties a month under our management umbrella. We have a little over 600 properties now that we manage. So, you know, cyclically they start coming up this time of year. We have a ton of turnover in the summer months just to kind of keep those those rental rates high. So, you know, being able to see these numbers year over year, figuring out what areas and pockets of the city tend to do better, lower days on market, higher rental rates versus sales prices, all these things that I like to tune into and and kind of take advantage of on my end as well and educate my clients to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know we're going to get a lot into more about rental real estate here in Austin. And you guys do have an awesome pulse on the market as your property management company. And not not just to promote you here on the podcast, I do refer any client that's interested in property management to your team because they do such a good job. Everybody's so so cordial and so timely to get back to you. And they're just on top of everything. So they got to commend you for your company doing a great job too. Well, you're a sweetheart, man. It's it's the sum of all the parts. We we are very fortunate to have a lot of people that 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 make it work and kind of kind of orchestrate the magic behind the scenes. Um, Justin always likes to say, "Come, come see how the sausage is made and, and meet all the team members." And it's it's we've built it, you know, from the ground up. Him and I started our Austin Java back in 2000. Shoot, when was that? 2014, 15-ish is when we started talking about it, and we were just cocktail napkin writing and riffing at Austin Java on Barton Springs. It's not there anymore, but that was kind of our, our hangout spot. And, you know, the beautiful perspective that we have, and I appreciate what you said because, it, you know, a lot of people 
don't get to see the back end of what we do. And it's a, it can be pretty chaotic and just nice perspective doing every little piece of it from the ground up till we got to a capacity where we could actually pay someone to help us and then start growing from there. It, it truly is kind of a, uh, 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 an orchestrating of a bunch of moving parts and hearing that come from, from you, especially one of our referral sources, it means a lot because the people that work for us and with us make it all happen. And we're very grateful to have them. Yeah, they're awesome. Well, before we get too far here and I know we're waiting on Justin, he'll be here any minute. Can I ask you, John, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Of course. So I, there's, I'm going to give you two different answers because I have my, my blue collar answer and then my, you know, my bougie answer. My blue collar is Cabo Bob's always. It's uh, Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, a, it's a, I don't even like putting these two in the same sentence together, but it's like a Chipotle or Freebirds. Mm-hmm. The owners of it used to have a fine dining restaurant here that I don't know if it went under or they just pivoted and went somewhere else, but they, they started Cabo Bob's, which is a kind of like a, uh, make your own taco or burrito in a line mm-hmm. situation. They they press their tortillas to order and cook them in front of you and have different flavors. They they grill all their meat on those ceramic green eggs. So I mean, it's legit yep. kind of barbecue, and it's all all local fresh stuff. They actually just they're starting to get big. They got I think they have restaurants in Houston now. So that's kind of my de facto. I need to feel good and just eat a bunch of good tacos. I go there. Outside of that. I love a little spot called The Shore. It's on 71, out by Oak Hill, um, kind of out towards the lake. It's uh, just a smaller um, seafood place. It's got oysters and an oyster bar, a lot of good ceviche. They play. They have jazz music on the weekends and Thursday nights and really good margaritas. So it's probably my, my favorite spot. That's awesome. I'll have to try that. I've not been to The Shore. I love Cabo Bob's. Um, and nice. Justin's, Justin's was... Uh, a Mexican restaurant in Sunset Valley. If I Probably in. Flores. Flores, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. Flores frequenter. <laughs> he's got he's got three kids, so it's it's beneficial to him to find places that have playgrounds mm-hmm. tied to the restaurant, so he can let them run crazy and he can enjoy himself for slight moments. Yeah, no, I went there. It is a great place. Uh, <clears throat> so, John, can you tell us a little bit more? I know we talked before we started recording here. But you, you said you're trying to buy a property a year in the Austin area, so you kind of pick certain areas you like to buy in? Yeah, so it's, I mean, I guess the trajectory from that, I, I always had a goal that I wanted 10 by the time I'm 50. I'm about to pick up my seventh, and I'm 38. So I think, I'm, I think I've now grown that number to hopefully be about 20 by the time I'm 50. <clears throat> it's either properties that I lived in and lived in for a couple of years and just owner-occupied and turned into rentals once I moved out and kind of played that game i have like three of those in my portfolio the rest are just i've actually been fortunate to have clients that find new construction homes that they want me to represent them on and when i go start crunching the numbers and talking to these sales reps if i like it i can kind of leverage my stance and my agency to get in there and get one for my own so that's what's happening now it's a community called Morningstar up north. Braun Homes is a builder. We're doing like six and a half percent back of flex cash, even for investors. So yeah, I mean, I'm basically using most of that to buy my rate down. You can you can put it towards the sales price, but 
you know, the most impact I see on the monthly side when I'm trying to cover my, my monthly costs is, is getting that rate down. So, um, you know, it's a beautiful deal with me because I can leverage my commission too to kind of knock down some of the closing costs and some of the cash that I need up front. And in the meanwhile, represent a you know another investor buyer client of mine that I can ride with. And I always like doing it because it makes them feel confident too about what they're getting into. If I'm if if I'm dipping into you know, and it's fun. We get to do that. So I've done that actually like three times. Um, and then Justin and I own two properties together too. So, you know, I, 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 I have that, I, I haven't missed a year over the last five years. I'm picking one up. So I hope that keeps going, man. It's, it's getting harder to cash flow based on the sales prices and the rental rates, unless you're putting 50% down. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time where you could put 20% down pretty much in any fringe market and still, still cover your monthly, monthly, uh, uh, payments but the rates have really kind of squashed that so it makes it challenging yeah no i can understand that i think uh i love the live in and move out and keep it strategy too i think that anytime you can keep a property and not have to sell it you're going to be so much happier 20 30 years later compared to that little money you made right there to put in the next down payment or maybe you you're going to use that money on yourself or invest it like if you can keep that property and in 30 years it's appreciated and paid itself down, you're going to be so happy. So I think that's a great exactly. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. And that, that's my motto. I mean, I, I convince people to not sell their homes all the time. I, you know, it's yeah. I, I'm fortunate to have a machine and platform behind me to help support, you know, the rental process and management. But, you know, my whole piece on it's like, you know, people kind of chop me up a little bit about not selling any of them during the crazy time of year. But it's like I'm I'm in such a good position with all of them, with the rental rates, the interest rates, the price point on which I bought most of my portfolio. That if I ride this out for another, you know, fifteen years plus, while someone's paying down my my mortgage for me, it's appreciating at the same time. My out of pocket cash is is null compared to what I can sell them for, you know, in, in a twenty year to thirty year trajectory. And I try to, you know, I, that's hard to kind of look at because people want to get that that fast cash right now and sell. Yeah. But it's that that that's that perspective of growing up here is I see the value and I, you know, that freight train may it slow down sometimes versus other years there's no stopping the the progress and growth that we have as a city and a market i mean the i-35 corridor alone is just one avenue that will never stop growing i mean just by the sheer capacity of what it connects and the the transit route that it is for what it is you know so i just always see the goal in that hang on to them even through the hard times and just make it work yeah and i love that because with you know, you talk about holding on to them for long term and the, the long term growth outlook of Texas and especially your I thirty five corridor with many more jobs starting to move to Mexico like that pipes straight down into Mexico and a lot of yeah. that rates going to continue to come up here. But then the, the the more higher tech jobs are probably always going to be done across the border here, and if all the the lower wage, lower tech stuff is being done just south of the border. Where do you think the higher tech stuff's going to happen? It's going to happen in Austin. There's already tons of uh, auto self-driving companies moving here, tons of tech companies moving to this area. So the growth is going to continue to be massive for a long time. And if you can hold on to your property rather than sell it 
and get that quick cash now, that's where the real magic comes. So take it from that's two builders. Don't sell your property. Hold on there. Yeah, and I, 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 it's funny. I, people are like, you don't want, you don't want me to pay you to sell my house. No, I want, I want, I want you to be happy with me ten years from now when you, when you go to sell it and make three times what you can make today. You know, but I met a guy. Shoot, this was probably 2015, 16 when Justin and I were starting the management company. We went to a lot of NARPM, which is the National Association of Property Management. Um, we would go to their conferences, and I met this one cat. He was an older gentleman. He had about. I don't know, 22 properties in his portfolio that he bought in the seventies and or most seventies and eighties, like through over that time, they were all paid off. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, this, this was his job. He self manages and it's his portfolio. And back then, I mean, average rental rates were 1750, 1850. I mean, you do that times 22 a month, you know, offset that with the taxes and stuff. I mean, the dude's making, making great money, just sitting on rents with those yeah. assets. But then even beyond that, if he wants to go, you know, make a quick half a million dollars, whatever. He just sells one or two of them and then gets that liquid. So now I remember talking to him and just being like, that's the secret sauce, man. I want, I want, I want that for myself. So mm-hmm. I try to educate people on that ride too. Yeah. No, absolutely. The real money is, is long-term. So I know both you got started around the same time, but what initially attracted you to real estate investing? You know, I think it just kind of uh, just progressed. I When I first got into real estate, I was doing a bunch of leasing. I was an apartment locator. That's how I kind of cut my teeth in real estate. It was quick money. I, I latched onto this brokerage. That's the biggest one in Texas for at, at the time for apartment locating. There's a lot of people don't know about it. It's kind of like the, I always call it the ghetto of real estate because it's like this like underground network of people that are they can you can make good money doing it. I mean, by year two or three, I was making six figures just slinging apartments to people, you know, and what it did. And I'm going off on a tangent to kind of give you the long term kind of reply to your question but it helped me build a database that i wasn't even aware of i kept these contacts you know and if you lease 80 to 100 people a year it helped me really grow my um my database and at the same time you know i'd meet all different types of people that would come here from other states and just be so enamored by our price points depending on where they're perspective was or where they were coming from and just the growth process on that so that's how it kind of started intriguing me Justin and I, like I said, we grew up together. So I always knew he was in real estate a couple of years before me. So the first contract I ever wrote, he helped coach me how to do it. Just, <laughs> I just would just call him and say, hey, help me you know, get this done. We've always been close. So he was a wonderful resource for me when I started to help get my groove in writing contracts. With that, he got to kind of see the lease side of it too, because he would latch on to what I was doing. And then so we both decided, hey, why don't we combine these forces and, and start start tower and so once i got into the management aspect of it and actually seeing the rental rates and the reward and you know people like that have these massive portfolios of properties that we were able to help seeing the income from them and then watching year over year rental rates increase that's really what helped and i bought my first house myself um, before i had my daughter and just was able to leverage that and that kind of got my beak wet a little bit to say hey you can live in this thing for two years, knock down some of that principal, carry the note, and then have somebody else pay for it. You know, after that, without very much out of pocket. So that that was kind of where it started. And I started running with it from there. That's awesome. Um, do you remember what was your first non-owner occupied rental property? Do you remember what kind of got you to that? Because I know that's a big jump. Like it's. Oh, yeah. It's it's not easy 
but it, it's e it's easier and easier to comprehend to buy a house, move into it, or buy a duplex, move into it, and then keep it when you move out because you've already got it. But that next step of putting down the twenty or twenty five percent and buying a non owner occupied rental property is a big jump for a lot of people. Do you remember what that was like and which property that was? Absolutely, and that, that's a good question. And that 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 again is a, a it, it's a, a very challenging, palatable process that is hard to wrap your head around if you've never done the owner occupancy ride. So I don't think I could have done that first without the owner occupancy ones first. Yeah, um, you know, and income's another thing too. I mean, it, the financial spot I was in was maybe a little bit better, but yes, it was back to that story of having clients that would tee up these sales, you know, these new construction properties for me. It was in Gerald, a place called Sunterra, I-35 corridor, which is north of, of everything in Austin. Basically, it's about, you know, as north as you can get without getting close to Waco. So, you know, nothing was there. Gerald, when I was a kid, there was a tornado that ran through it in the early 2000s. And that was all it was known for. It was nothing, just farmland. And so when she told me about it, I was like, what, what's this about? She lived in Huddo, I think at the time. Her parents were getting furloughed in Chicago because of COVID. So she wanted to find a spot for them to come live in Texas. And it was just cheap. The inventory was like sub 200 grand. I'm talking to the sales rep and these, these spec homes. I throw them up in four months to six months, you know, and they're all selected out. It's real easy to kind of just ease your way into it. And I was talking to the sales rep while we were there touring hers, getting her under contract. And I start looking at rental rates on Zillow. And I'm like, are these for real? And I was, I was like, are these serious rental rates? Back then it was like 1650, you know, for a $198,000 house, you know, at a, you know, three and a half, four and a half percent interest rate, you know, it, it all made sense. So I, that was, that was my first one. So I, I signed up right then before I left and kind of built one. Hers is down the road from mine. So her parents live in that one. She's, she's a client that bought three houses from me so far. Now she's one of my agents. So she, she got into real estate. Just one of she's a hustler, man. She, she does, she does good work, but that was the first one I did. And I remember even putting the 20%, I think I did 25 on that one because you, you know, you get a little bit better rates. Mm -hmm. You know how it goes. These lender incentives are so hard for other lenders to match, but I always tap on my my preferred lenders that I work with all the time to, to kind of comb through stuff. Let me know if you can beat it. Tell me what I, you think I should do. And I, I think 25% was the only, it was, it was, it was, it was a hard one. It was a little gut punch to write that check. It always is, but it, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I'm really glad you did it in five or 10 years too. And when it continues yeah. to grow up there, and I'm sure that property you bought for under 200 grand is already worth 250 to 260 at least. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Oh, in COVID, I could have dumped it for about three forty during our crazy time, easy. And that was like, that was like a year or two past that. Now the rental rates, I think I rented out for like nineteen fifty. I mean, my my monthly nut on it's like fourteen hundred bucks after the increase wow. of taxes this last year. So it's like, you know, those are those. That's the sweet spot. That's not always obtainable, mm -hmm. but it depends where you go. The fringe markets are huge. I know you kind of are pretty diverse with what you invest in all over the place, at least in your geographical zone. It doesn't seem like from what I know, you don't stick to just one spot. I mean, that's 
that's kind of where I'm at. I got stuff from Gerald all the way down to New Braunfels, um, you know, out, out east and west too. So that's, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. I think for me, what it's always been is what do I know about the area or who do I know in the area and why am I confident this is a good place to invest? So I've never been one with just, you know, I, I see this a lot in California investors where, Hey, I live somewhere where it's too expensive. I'm just going to shotgun out everywhere and invest wherever I can find what makes the most sense. There might be markets that make more sense. You know, I like San Antonio. I like Louisville. I like Austin. Um, I, I know these markets. I have family in all these markets. I have friends and, and trusted colleagues. Obviously, we are in Austin. But for me, it's always been, what do I know about it? And where do I have an advantage because of this? Not just where it works the best. I mean, in Austin, you buy anything probably from Gerald New Braunfels, your company can manage it and help you take care of it. Like, that's a huge that's advantage. And that's a beautiful leverage piece I have. And, it, it, you know, I've seen other other presentations and other numbers that just don't work. We, Justin and I, he created the spreadsheet. Um, it's called the bank for the buck. I don't know if he's ever shared it with you. You should convince him to kick it over to you, but it's a, uh-huh. we work on it every quarter to where every quarter we quantify the average sales price in any given zip code versus the average rental rate and then spit out kind of a percentage. You know, it's similar to cap rates, but it doesn't go as, into as much detail. It's pretty cut and dry. It's like, look, what am I paying for versus what I can rent it out for? And for a long time, like Kyle and Buta were the kings on that ratio always yeah. because of that blue collar I-35 corridor aspect of it. And those that's that fringe market. I mean, little places like Huddo and Maynard. I remember when 130 was finished. Before 130, the transit routes in and out of there were nothing. And it was hard to get anything done or have any sort of like attraction to it. Now Huddo has that co-op. They had that baseball thing that was supposed to go out there, but they, the city kind of botched that. I don't know if you know anything about that. But, you know, those little pockets, once those main kind of streamlined transit routes come, everything else fills in at least – close to us because of how expansive things are getting. And if you mirror us to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, the networkings and the inner kind of veins of all the highways, I mean, we're a little baby (laughs) compared to the infrastructure they have. And I mean, they have, we have so much room to grow. That's why Gerald's so intriguing. I mean, there was a talk that Disney was going to put a resort out in Gerald. I mean, like who, who knows what the next thing is that's going to pop off these little, little pockets. I mean, even if you go, west towards like leander and head out towards liberty hill and where all that stuff is i mean that's that's all that i mean they're growing out like crazy so that's what that's what i'm comfortable with yeah and i think you, you make such a good point there because there's areas within 30 minutes of austin that's just big open fields there's nothing there you know 30 minutes of downtown austin you go straight east that's why tesla's out there because there's nothing out there it's dirt cheap file that land out there compared to what you would have to pay in closer to town, but there's just so many areas that have so much growth potential and haven't even begun. Like that area, actually, where Tesla's moved to, is started to right. they started to finally build the commercial infrastructure that makes it feel like a nice livable area. You know, there's nice gas stations and there's Walgreens popping up and all that sort of stuff. There was never any of that out there before, but over a long-term time horizon. It'll be a nice place to live. Right now, it kind of feels like you're out in the boonies, but it won't be forever. Well, it's inevitable. It's like, you know, 
it's Thanos and Endgame. It's it's inevitable. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. that growth and the expanse. <clears throat> no matter what, our, our population is always going to kind of keep growing outward. And those little pockets, you know, it, it, that internal workings of the city and how expensive things get pushes out the majority of people that just need to live and own homes and own real estate and rent. So, I mean, that's where those little pockets pop up. And, and proximity-wise, referencing other markets even if you're 30, 40 minutes from downtown, that's still relatively close in, in the yeah. perspective of other markets. I mean, you know, we do a ton of ton of investors from California and they see the writing on the wall with us where California was 15, 20 years ago. You know, it's the same kind of deal. These kind of rural areas of California that are now these, you know, the average sales price is over a million dollars. That's not too far fetched that we could be there in 20 years. So it's, it's exciting, you know, Texas is is crazy, but Austin has a lot of catching up to do as far as with the size and infrastructure of the other massive cities in Texas. And so I, I think it's that that's the inevitable piece about it. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to slow that down to where we're going to match those other other metroplexes. And shoot, I mean, San Antonio and Austin is going to be just one big blob yeah. at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy to see that. Um, John, what's, what do you think the biggest mistake you've seen made or made yourself as far as it comes to real estate investing something other people could learn selling too quick is is a huge piece people that panic sell i'm seeing a lot of that right now that bought at the tip of the market and it's 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 painful because you're burning costs every year and now people are just trying to liquidate but it's you're you're going to lose money just kind of ride the storm i would say that's probably one thing, you know, other than that, I think uh, one thing I see that I try to keep people away from is people that are kind of drawn to um, properties that need a ton of work that are just, they can pick up on the cheap that just have a ton of deferred maintenance that needs to happen to them. At the end of the day, if it were me, I'd rather I'd buy something that's sound and ready to rock. That's 20% more than something I have to put at least 20% into to get it right. So I see people make that move sometimes where they hit these distressed properties thinking they're getting a deal and they don't. Yeah, if you don't plan for that, it can really sneak up on you. I think that's my <clears> biggest <throat> mistake I've made is not planning for that. I've bought a lot of those distressed, distressed properties. Um, the one that came back and it, it all worked out well because everything was working out well. But I didn't plan for the maintenance and and capex that the property needed, needed. And over time, the, over the time of owning it, I didn't cash flow the way it should have because I was always dumping money back into the property. So I think that, yeah, you're right there. Like if you're going to do it, just plan for it, know what you got to do, have a budget for it right away. Um, make sure that's a solid budget and you have a contingency bid or budget there too. If repairs go over, because they always do. Budget yeah. for the unknowns, because exactly. gonna, they're going to be there. Yeah. No, this property in particular was three sixplexes, and I didn't budget for doing the CapEx. They needed all the windows, all the doors, all the HVACs, that kind of stuff all needed to be done. I didn't budget for it. So it was always just one at a time, you know, as, as time went on. Something broke. Something needed to be replaced. There's always something going. So, you know, it ate into the cash flow pretty good. Yeah, and that's not fun <clears throat> when you're yeah. burning that. It it takes some of the thrill away too when you're having to always walk backwards, you know. And it just 
it kind of deflates you a little bit. I, I flipped a house when I first started getting into real estate in Pflugerville. God, there's nothing out there now. I'd be curious to see what it's like. And I, we didn't make any money. We lost a little bit. It was very educational for me. But what I learned really quick, you don't, it's like what Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I, you can plan as much as you want to kind of budget these things, but until you start ripping down these walls, seeing what's behind there, it, it's challenging to really rope that in. So that's another piece too. I think people get into the the house flipping game thinking that it's 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 easy to maneuver the the cost expectations, and that's that's very challenging it, from labor to material to unknowns. It can become a headache. But I, that property was I'm glad I did it because I learned so much. Mm-hmm. But financially, it was a stupid move. Yeah, those timelines get so crazy too. You said, "Oh, it's gonna take three months, six months later, you're almost done." Oh yeah, yeah. That's Over always the budget, case. Budget more and budget more time. Exactly. Um, John, if you had to start over today, is there anything you'd do differently? I mean, I think in my real estate career, I would have started earlier in my life and started. Yeah. You know, Tim Heil was around when Justin and I were in high school. And I, we remember running into him at Gold's Gym, which was a world's gym on William Cannon. And he was like right out of high school starting to get his real estate license. We were like, this nerd, you know, go go to college and enjoy yourself. You know, and now he's, yeah. you know, he, he had some pedigree help with him. But <clears throat> if I were to do it again, I think I would have started early in my 20s and really started cultivating the mindset that I have obtained and kind of worked towards over my 12, 13 years in real estate. So that would have been something I would have done. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. I think the I think the beauty of it, the joy is kind of in the mystery in real estate. You know, it's like we we wake up every day and don't know exactly what's gonna gonna unravel, what kind of fire we gotta put out. So, you know, I enjoy that part of it. Actually, one thing that I do wish I would have done from the beginning is separated my personal phone from a work phone right away. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That way I could keep the divide between my actual cell phone number and people that need me. I mean, we we have things in place to do it, but inevitably my cell phone is everywhere. So it's hard for hard for me to, to get away from this little virtual prison that sits next to me all the time. <laughs> I like that virtual prison. But certainly as a realtor, I think that's one of the hardest things is that you're essentially always on call. Uh, oh, yeah. no, no matter what you do to set boundaries and uh make sure you have things taken care of and, um yeah no, certainly so start starting sooner as both a realtor and a real estate investor and, and having absolutely a little bit more of a divide there certainly would help jordan moorhead here really quick he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us if you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions the moorhead team on youtube is the best place to be and then austin real estate investors on meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on well it's just like asking somebody in california and i hate to go back to that um, but you know what would you have done differently 30 years ago and i get you i bet you if you took 50 people out of any given spot of California, they would all say, I wish I would have bought property 30 years ago. I mean, properties in my early 20s in Austin were dirt cheap compared to where they are now. If I could have done that from the beginning, I would, yeah. I would have been okay. Even even looking at properties that sold in, in 07, 08, you know, when prices supposedly were really high, you look at them and you say, man, I would buy 100 of those if those were on sale today. Easy. There, I remember like the Brown building downtown, that like condo building that was down there. Mm-hmm. I think that was in 08 was when it was like, it was built right before there. So just, it was one of the, 
downtown was one of the first real estate pockets during our little crash to really feel the effects because of mm-hmm. where the price points were back then. But there were a few people that had the cash to gobble up all these little condos down there. And they waited two or three years and made a fortune off of it because they they bought when they could. And even back then, I mean, yeah. And that's what's, that's what's so bullish about Austin. I mean, you look at the stats of the sales prices going into 08. It, it dipped a little bit, but after a two-year period where they came out of 08, like, you know, in 2010, they were higher than where they went in going into the recession. So it's like, yeah, like, you know, I mean, that, that to me, it's like, I, there's not much that's going to really crumble this thing on a, you know, at least on a kind of a, a micro scale, but it's exciting. Yeah, super exciting. So what's next for you, John? Where are you guys going? Where are the companies going? I know your goal, you want to have 20 properties by 50, but What's next for Ascension Realty Group and Tower Property Management? I know 600 is a lot more than when I talked to Justin two years ago or so. I think you were at 400 or something. We've been fortunate to have the growth. We're, we're at like 619, I think, was the count. Our staff kind of, we, we have our team meetings every Tuesday and Thursday. And one of the first things we hit is where are we on our count? We set goals at the end of the year to try to hit that following year. And we, we kind of set our goals based on the growth that we had the previous year. You know, and that that percentage is kind of exponential and hard to really quantify. You know, when you talk percentages, it's more so uh, where do we want to be? But <clears throat> to answer your question, we just started a um, construction company. It's called Red Oak oh. Construction. Cool. So it's that that one something took about a year to kind of figure out and cultivate. It's it's advantageous to us because we can control a lot of the move outs and move ins within our portfolio mm-hmm. with this entity. Um, you know, there has to be a lot of disclosure of relationships and full transparency to tell landlords, hey, we do, this is an income stream for us, but we're still going to make sure you're taken care of. We're going to beat the, the next competitor. But it, it makes sense for us from a monetary perspective because we can control a lot of things. If we have, oh, shit, things happen that we need to jump on, it's easier for us to land on that, you know, and and, and absorb those costs. So that we we want to grow that and get that bigger. We're trying to keep it within our portfolio before we before we allow other people outside of tower oh, properties okay. to use that it. That was going to be my next question. Well, it's, it's mainly just a bandwidth thing. You know, we, especially during our summertime, we have so many turns. I mean, I think we have 30 move outs this next week, like some silly. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want to make sure that we have all hands on deck and we don't want to water down the service that we provide to our landlords. That's another piece too. It's like, if we can't, if we can't manage the entities we own to help service their properties first and foremost, then, we we lose our value proposition. So we are going to to wait to unroll that to to people. But as soon as you, we can, we'll let the whole market center know. Hey, who who needs us? We're here. But that's so hard to find. Is is good contractors, especially yeah. good contractors that do stuff like turns and smaller stuff. You know, like heat turning or paint lights that kind of stuff. So well, and the beautiful part about about what we can offer, you know, it's you know, security. We try to leverage. And be as fair as possible to tenants and landlords. And there, we outline very clearly to tenants, hey, you know, if you don't want to be charged for these certain things, here's what you need to do. You know, but if they don't do those, that's where our bread and butter comes in with these turns. It's like you know, it, it makes us look like heroes with our landlords because they get to they get to get their property back to the normal working condition without spending a bunch of money if we have the evidence to do that, which is the, the secret sauce. So that's good. I think, you know, we want to get the next milestone for number count. We want to get to a thousand doors. Um, oh. It's hard. We the, the behind the scenes, we're trying to divide like mitosis almost the our, our employee staff so that we can 
have other geographical areas to extend our reach a little bit. If it takes us longer than an hour, hour and a half to get to it, we're really not doing the service that we were, were paid to do. So Texas getting beyond the Austin market, getting down into San Antonio, going into other markets that are further out from our reach is, is the next big, big goal for the management side. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I know that there's just such a good need for, there's such a big need for good property management. Absolutely. John, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend? You know, um, I don't. I, I kind of just dabble. I, I'm a big audible guy, so I, I hit it when I drive a lot. I'm more into uh, kind of, you know, sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I, yeah. So the dynamics between Justin and I, we're, we're very yin and yang. He is very laser-focused more brainy in a lot of senses. And I, I won't say that if he's here because his head will grow bigger than it needs to. But <laughs> he, he he's a lot more into kind of you working out the inertia on the back end with the numbers and the, and the details and stuff like that. I'm more of a kind of a broad stroke guy where I like to hit a lot of different things. So um, I, don't, I don't think I have one that I could point out that I, that I like. I do a lot of motivational reading in the morning just to kind of kind of help me medicate, meditate and, and get ready for the day. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm cynical in the sense that my motivation is, comes from me, man. I, I go to war with myself every single day. So if I learn how to whoop myself, it kind of keeps me moving in the right direction. That's worked so far. Have you ever read The Miracle Morning? No. A great book. You should definitely check that out. I, I follow okay. a loose framework of their morning every day. It, I think that, like you say, I I wake up and I, I have to battle with myself to get myself focused and where I need to be to be the best person I can for each day. So that Miracle Morning helps me a lot with that. Nice. Okay, I'll check it out. I, I have very routine oriented, so I have part of my routine when I, you know, put my shoes on and kind of sit down. I read some, you know, kind of daily meditation type snippets. So anything that I can integrate into that will, will help. It kind of gets me a little woosaw before I go into the chaos. You know, every oh day. yeah, no. With what we do, there's always something like you said, catch on fire. Not not literally most of the time. But <laughs> hopefully, there's, yeah. Hopefully, no fire. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Justin, sorry, Justin, John, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? So we info at towerprops.com is kind of the main piece that goes to my whole team. So anybody that's looking for management help um, in that regard, it it kind of catches us. Our websites too. I don't know if you you can kind of broadcast what we what we do, but um, towerprops.com is our management site. Yeah, super easy. It's real easy. And ascensionaustin.com is our sales side. So, you know, you Google us where we, we try to stay out there in, in every little platform we can. So, but, but the best way to get a hold of me is again, my virtual prison. So if you ever, if you ever need me, just this thing never leaves my side. Absolutely. Do you have any sort of Instagram handle or social media with either the businesses? Yeah, they, we we have pages on pages. So ARG has a Central Realty Group. Tower Property Management has their own page. Justin and I have our own respected um, personal business pages. So mm-hmm. I, I do a ton of social media stuff. I try to use that platform to promote myself and what we do and kind of, you know, what's your, uh, as much as we can. What's your Instagram handle? So the um, one for me, myself, is John Martin Realtor, which is easy to think of. Yeah. Tower Property Management is just Tower Property Management. Awesome. So if you don't follow me, Jordan, follow me. I know. I'll make sure I get something done after this call. Well, John, yeah. thank you so much for coming on here today. Absolutely. Make sure to follow John Martin on Instagram at John Martin Realtor. 
Uh, obviously, follow me at Jordan underscore Moorhead. And if you need help with property management in the Austin, Texas area, info at Tower Property Management. Info at Tower Props. At Tower Props. Towerprops.com. Info at Towerprops.com. They're the best that I've seen here in the area, and you absolutely need to reach out. You're the man, Jordan. Thank you. This has been fun, man. Let's do it again. You got to come on to ours too whenever we get that rolling. So let's do it. Oh, yeah. So you're going to have one coming out called Rough Housing. Is that R O U G H? Yep. R O U G H, Rough Housing. So we're still playing with the words a little bit, but it's going to be kind of the, uh, the epitome of uh, what happens behind the curtains uh, in real estate. The the contradictory to the real estate, um, you know, selling sunset. And we want to show you kind of what really happens. And what, what we really want to promote is bring people on like yourself that we've worked with that are real, you know, take off some of the monkey suit and just let's, let's hash it out and, and get back into the, get back into the nitty gritty of, of what is real estate. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have to do that. Yeah, man. So come on with it. I'd love to have you. All right. Well, thank you so much, John. We'll talk here soon. All right, Jordan. Take care, brother.